listening to Psyche Design Season 2. I'm your host, Megan Lavota. We're about to journey the limitless depths of the psyche, so get comfortable, get settled, and let's go. Hello. So today I'm going to be discussing the unknown. And one of the fun things about that topic is that I actually have no idea what I'm about to talk about. So first of all, for those of you who follow the stars, um, Jupiter just went into Pisces this morning. So I've been wanting to do this topic for a while and I thought, why not right now? Um, because the energy of Pisces is a mutable water sign. So this energy now uh, in the collective is more focused on embracing the the vastness and the chaoticness of every potential emotion that can ever be experienced is one way of putting it. When I think of Pisces, I often think about taking leaps of faith and um, marveling at the unknown potentially. So <clears throat> my uh, personality type pattern, uh, most of you know this because that's what my channel has been about is my type preferences are ENFJ. And with that J, uh, the stereotype goes that, you know, the preference for judging um, could be a challenge for embracing the unknown. I have had such a hard time with the unknown for as long as I could remember. Um, and in fact, I've been having some more discussions with my parents lately about what I was like as a child, as I have been, um, uh, I think it's been a year and a half ago now that I have been diagnosed with ADHD and I've been exploring my neurodivergent traits, reading things about that and trying to connect some dots. Uh, part of the reason why I've wanted to do that is because, um, you know, I discovered personality type theory whenever I was 17. I'm now 28. Um, this model of personality typing has been with me for over a decade now. And I definitely wouldn't be as confident as an adult and um, as okay with myself if I didn't have it. Because so much of me even recognizing that I was an intuitive at a young age uh, validated a lot of the ways in which I felt uh, outside the norm. <clears throat> and, um, anyway, I, I, I've been thinking about, um, the ways in which I've always felt outside the norm. And one of those ways, uh, you guys are going to just have to deal with me being rambly this time around, because I'm a little bit out of practice whenever it comes to talking to a camera. So, um, for those of you who want to take the windy road with me, thank you so much. Anyway, um, what I was going to say with that is that I, my mom was, you know, sort of telling me how even as a young child, I would get into these outbursts um, when things did not go according to plan. There was one time she told me about that I was like five and uh, they... My mom said that we had to leave the living room area. We were at my grandparents because they were painting the walls and that, that it was going to be a different color. It was going to go from beige to peach. And apparently whenever I got back and I saw the colors, 
I freaked out and I was like, they are not different colors. This is the same exact color as what it was before you lied to me. And I think that that is such a hilarious example of, I think you could really see like the pitfalls of my psyche, even as a young child, it would be interesting to think about what things you used to have meltdowns about as a child and throw a fit about. And if you could notice any themes of how those things in a way, even if you aren't going to act out how those things might still um, tell you something about your blind spots, because in that, as an example, not only was I not someone that was very aware of the differences between the colors, but I also had an idea in my mind of what I thought that those colors would be. And whenever reality did not match up to what I had in my mind, it was very overwhelming for me. And so my preference for um, introverted intuition as a function, I think is sort of seen here and that my default is to kind of envision an intuitive image or symbol or whatever, kind of envision something abstractly in my mind um, that may or may not line up with reality. And I, I, I'm realizing that a big reason why I will try and spend the time to think about the future and envision it is because of how physically overwhelming it is for me to make a decision on this spot or to adjust to things not going according to plan. And I think that a lot of people who prefer, who have a J in their type code, a lot of people who who are that way, who are Js, you could say, um, we prefer to do the introverted um perception ourselves beforehand so that whenever life hits us in the face it's not that much of a surprise and i think that for the most part doing that can save me some energy but it also could be very draining and so part of this has to do with having extroverted sensing as a valued but weaker function for me um because it is very draining for me to use extroverted sensing as much as I wish that I could use it. Uh, for me, in my type code, extroverted sensing is associated with the forever child, the inner child, um, as the tertiary third position. It's related to that archetype of almost like the Peter Pan, like kid who never wants to grow up. And I can very naively believe that I can just handle anything or push through anything um, to some extent. But I also could naively and almost childishly buckle under the pressure of a moment changing and me having to um, meet that moment. Uh, it could go one of two extremes. And this is kind of how it goes for a lot of people with their tertiary function is that there's a childlike quality both in the optimism and in the fear that you have around that thing. So for me, I can optimistically envision my life of, I want to make a video every single week and I want to have a newsletter every single week. And I want to 
make an album this year and I want to be in two improv classes and I want to audition for this improv class and I want to be singing in this choir and I want to work for myself um, and I want to, you know, make new friends, move out, potentially move out of the state and um, potentially start dating. So if you're overwhelmed listening to that, imagine um, being inside my brain. <clears throat> so I, anyway, um, let's get back to the topic of unknown and I will get back. I will connect all of these dots. Um, so this podcast psyche design has gone through many different renditions um this youtube channel has gone through many different phases um seen me in many phases of growth and part of what could be difficult is that once i get once you get into a routine of what works and you follow these social scripts of okay this is how i make my videos this is how i use twitter this is how i whatever like i i had everything all set up to where and what i need to do to conserve my energy is have everything all set up to where the moment i have an inspiration the tools are there instantly so that i don't have to make a big decision about it so that kind of connects to what i was saying earlier is that i think as an nj and the way that i use my interpreted intuition is that i try and save energy for the in the moment uh physical things by mapping it all out in my head before so i try and save energy because for example um let's say i want i feel like making music if i'm if my midi keyboard is all in a box and i don't know where the chord is and uh i don't know where the speakers are it's going to take me a lot of energy to actually get it set up but if I've arranged my room where I have that station over there for making music and then this station over here for journaling and then all of these things, if I, and another thing that I did with this is that I now have this little wellness rack or I call it my wellness rack. It's just a, um, it's just a rolling rack thing, but I, I was thinking like whenever I'm triggered, whenever I'm overstimulated or exhausted what do I need? Sometimes, you know, the body will instinctively do what it um, has done in the past that might have made it feel more regulated. That could be tweet about your experience, tweet about your emotions, call a friend. Um, and those things can work, but it could be take an edible. It could be um, have a cup of tea. Anyway, I... Um, basically put together this little station in my room for everything that I know for a fact makes me feel more regulated whenever I'm overwhelmed and I have it all in one place to reduce the amount of uh, energy that it would take for me to make a decision in that exact moment of what do I need to do to calm myself down and so anyway um that's just one example of me deciding to do that took me about um, six months to probably even come to that conclusion. But now that I've made that one decision, it's like a one decision that's kind of a one and done that it's going to work for me throughout many, hopefully years. Um, and a lot of the reason why NJs are very slow whenever it comes to making decisions 
is because um, of how much energy it takes to engage with the extroverted sensing realm of making a decision and responding to the moment in that moment. So anyway, I have been, I, I had my little systems for making YouTube and all of that to where my my challenge in life has always been about figuring out how to channel my energy properly because I have a lot of it. I have a lot of inspiration and there's nothing that makes me feel more frustrated than if I feel like doing something and then there's too much inertia or um, resistance between the idea and it actually being a reality. And so, um, like I said, I try and set up systems to make it easy for me to enter that flow state because so much of my life is attempting to get into a flow state and it taking longer than I thought. And then I feel like I will just blow a fuse internally and then I don't get anything done and there's no fruits of my labor. And it's like, I've literally just drained my energy and I'm trying to avoid that so much. And one of my favorite ways of draining my energy in the past has been through relationships and through other people. Um, through um prioritizing relationships uh, at a higher value than what they should be and one of the things i'm learning with that is that even though i personally think that um on my deathbed the relationships i have are going to be the number one most important thing in my life i also am realizing that um even if i'm correct that you know relationships should be number one or can be number one how much of a number one is it compared to the other things in your life that you need to do for you in order to actually be the sort of friend that you want to be so um enfjs are not known for being the best at self-care um even though we might be a type to want to preach the importance of it to others um i saw a tweet the other day that was like my toxic my toxic trait is i tell people to take care and yet i don't take care or something like that and that is kind of been the story of my life to where i guess um what i was going okay what i was going to say earlier is that all of this process of um figuring out so when am i going to make youtube videos and how often and all of that, like I've been dealing with a lot of creative blockages, but I realized that the reason why that is, is because I have changed. And so the systems in my outlets need to change because I'm learning more about myself and I'm becoming more myself and I'm taking care of myself better. So the strategies I used in the past that that worked for me then, um, it almost feels like a staircase. I, you know, I've said this before that sometimes it seems like with NJs that we grow in these quantum leaps where it feels like these staircase level things where like you're trying and trying and it feels like you're plateauing and then you hit a realization and then it's like you're on to the next checkpoint. Like if you're in a game or something and it's like checkpoint reached, you've passed to the next level. That's often how a lot of my growth feels. And whenever I'm in that plateau state, it feels like nothing's happening. But the plateau is because what used to work doesn't work anymore. And so I'm kind of just waiting for the thing that is going to snap into place. And during that pl plateau, you have to be open 
for something new to come to you. So, so that kind of brings me to my point with the unknown is that <clears throat> I think that collectively we're going, we're facing a lot of feelings of the unknown for so many reasons, like the pandemic, the war, and I don't need to go into that because I feel like there's, everybody is just vaguely hinting at that of these crazy times and I'm participating in that right now, right now. But my, my point with that unknown is kind of a big topic right now, but I was thinking about how uh, a lot of the things I think about uh, with um, this channel and just in general, my, my obsessions um, about shadow work and about the shadow functions and accepting your unconscious and all of that um <clears throat> it inherently brings up the unknown and so i wanted to talk about how embracing your shadow is kind of the same thing as embracing the unknown and how um ignoring the shadow might feel like the safe thing to do because it feels safe because there's not as many unknowns coming up but the more you're clinging to what you think you know then the more the more hard the more difficult it's going to be whenever the unknown eventually hits because um if you are clinging to an idea of what you think is going to happen in your comfort zone and the things that feel stable for you um it's like the more energy you put into clinging onto that then the more of a surprise and the, the darker the shadow your uh the unknown is going to be whenever you eventually see it and I've used the analogy before of like a seesaw to where um ideally the conscious and the unconscious should be going back and forth like a little seesaw where um like I guess the goal I I think is that the con our consciousness and our ego should um not be so stubborn and so rigid that it is um refusing to listen to any of the information that the unconscious might be having might have to say we don't need to become superhumans and perceive everything and have no shadows and no darkness but i think it's more of a matter of the attitude that you have toward those things that come up and just a small shift in your attitude can allow um you to start to take that information seriously when it comes up so um and part of that really is embracing the unknown if you think about it the shadow or the parts you can't see the shadow is the unknown so um and you could see it in society is if you pretend like those shadows aren't there some of those shadows being racism and sexism and the negative effects of capitalism and consumerism a lot of these things are shadows of the american dream that we don't want to think about because it undermines the positive parts of thinking about things like we're the melting pot we're all about freedom we're all about innovation all of these things are 
perhaps the ego or the consciousness of America. And if you're only looking at those things and you're looking at those things so much to where you aren't able to acknowledge these um, shadowy parts, then it's going to create this effect where the shadow bounces back, where as opposed to being able to just have a calm conversation about our racist past and trying to turn a new leaf and trying to heal those things. Uh, what is often happening is white supremacy culture is being more and more in denial of these things that it doesn't want to see. Um, and if you have that mindset uh, where, and you know, people who have this mindset a lot of times don't even realize that they have the mindset. That's the, that's the thing about the shadow. And that's why a lot of people talk about the importance of um, critically analyzing your um, assumptions and your stereotypes uh, because you're not a bad person for having the stereotype, but you might be a bad person if you are so in denial of these um, prejudices that you might have that you're afraid to even look at them and deal with them and sort them out and make sure that you are not going to be causing any harm. So um, anyway, um, the thing with that is um, that if you are not conflict occurs when you are dismissing any information from the shadow that your ego and the idea of yourself doesn't want to see and it's happening on a collective scale and it happens on a personal scale and you know I have been talking about personality type theory on this channel since 2015 I think was my first video and my ideas about personality has changed and evolved a lot and also my self-concept has changed and evolved a lot um because simply knowing that I prefer my, that my best fit type is ENFJ I don't even like to call myself an ENFJ anymore because it's just a pattern it's just a pattern of how the psyche orients itself and the 16 types are all patterns, but nobody is uh, chained to that pattern. And in fact, we can use that pattern as a way in which to reflect on the true self that's underneath and our true individuality or individuality that nobody can take away from us. Um, uh, knowing your type is like a stepping stone to being able to perceive all of the patterns in our life that we take on unconsciously and socially that are like these collective patterns um, that aren't bad. It's just that, so Carl Jung talked a lot about individuation, which is all about the path to the self with the capital S, the higher self. And the self is who you really are um and uh man i mean this idea has been around for so long that i there's nothing really i could say about it i just felt the need to sit on that is who really am i who really are you and that's a hard question to answer but for whatever reason a lot of us as humans have this pull to figure out who we really are and 
knowing your personality type can give you some information. And so that's why I think it has become so popular, especially online, especially during a time in which there is so much unknown. People want to know who they are. And sometimes if you're dealing with the unknown, knowing who you are is at the very least a constant when you are dealing with an unpredictable world and people who you don't understand. So um, I think that what can happen is that when people are wanting to understand their type, it's this fear of the unknown that can lead you to want to put a label on who you are and figure yourself out. I don't think I'm ever going to be done figuring myself out and getting to know myself. Um, cause just as relationships are super important to life, as I mentioned before, that relationship you have with yourself is constant, constantly getting to know yourself just as you want probably to fall in love with a partner in which you are constantly unraveling and learning new things about them every day. Uh, you probably want it to feel fresh, even when you are retired, fresh and exciting, no matter what. It's like that relationship you have with yourself also should feel fresh and exciting um, because as much as we want to figure out who we really are so that we can maybe have something stable in this chaotic world, we are mirrors of the world. The world mirrors us. We have just as much of an unknown contained within us. So the whole idea of embracing our personal shadows um is inherently an act of embracing the unknown <clears throat> and uh when that happens things change now all of this is very obvious but um to be literal for me my routines change um where i want to live thinking about who i want to talk to because if you're in this cycle of think about your your daily routines of um what are your biggest fears what are your goals you're probably going to be talking to people either with similar goals or who are doing similar things that you're doing um if you have certain hang-ups or fears you might be having certain coping mechanisms for dealing with those and so um, you get into these routines based on how you are responding to your fears, what coping mechan mechanisms you're using, and um, what goals you're working toward. Um, and so the entire fabric of your life is based off of that. So what happens when you recognize or learn something new about yourself is that that invites the fabric or the fabric of your life to change. One thing as an example of this with me is that um talking to friends is a major coping mechanism for me. And I'm not saying that it's bad to talk to friends and I'm not saying a coping mechanism doesn't mean it's healthy. But for me, every single time I did not feel 100%, I would reach to a friend to either um, distract me from the feeling, to 
have to re um refocus my attention on something that is good that I am grateful for so it's not like it's not always like oh I'm just so like running away from these dark feelings and trying to ignore it so that I can talk to you know someone else to distract me that's not not true but the experience of me doing it didn't feel like that didn't feel like I was running away it just felt like when I acknowledged that when I acknowledged certain things what were the responses that I had how did I respond to myself whenever I wasn't in the place I wanted to be and often that would be reorienting my perspective to be grateful for the things that I ought to be grateful for and to I would try and you know enjoy life more fully so as opposed to trying to solve a pattern I would you know listen to music and that's a perfectly fine response because the thing is, is that a lot of times life is just hard and there's nothing to solve and there's nothing wrong with you. But people gener generally have a hard time soaking up all of the joy that life has to offer. And it is a challenge to soak up joy. And so sometimes it's a perfectly fine response to, if you're not feeling well, just turn up the volume of the and just start soaking up more joy I mean that's literally what I've done in order to cope um art music what have you and a lot of that a lot of my way of turning up the joy has been through other people because I just think that um connection is so magical and so beautiful and I always find myself so moved deeply whenever I am having a genuine conversation and so anyway <clears throat> but here's the thing with that is that I was finding myself um reaching for my phone um for connection um so often throughout the day that it didn't leave enough time for me to do other things so um if I was if I had a realization, it didn't feel good enough to just have the realization on my own. I wanted to share it in case somebody else had also had that realization or to hear if there was a different perspective that challenged mine. I didn't care if everyone agreed with me 100%, but I would compulsively reach for that connection by um, throwing it out there. Sometimes I would throw it out there on Twitter. I would do it on YouTube. I would think, you know, I don't have anyone to talk to about this. And so I'm going to put it out there and have that feeling of knowing that I'm not alone in having this thought. And there's somebody else who's now, you know, sharing this with me and I get to share with them. And, you know, I've met a lot of friends online and a lot of my closest friendships that I've had have been friends that um, wanted to discuss deeper topics and wanted to have that back and forth of sharing our realizations in real time. Um, when the pandemic hit too, um, I started voice memoing a lot. Um, so anyway, um, my point with this is that I reached a point the past few months where I've been realizing that, um, 
I was throwing too much of myself in connections and not enough in creating um, art or in uh, decompressing. I barely ever watch TV, for one. I don't go to bed at a good enough time. One thing that I've been implementing in my life lately is um, uh, trying to drink tea before bed. I also have an aromatherapy diffuser thing that I will turn on at about like 8.30 or 9. I will uh, make myself some tea and I will turn on the diffuser with like some lavender and um, cedar wood or whatever essential oils in it. And I turn the overhead lights off and put on like a lava lamp or some crazy light or whatever. I will just whatever I feel like. And I intentionally set a mood. Setting moods has been so, 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 so impactful for me. And I think that part of it has to do with what I was saying earlier, whenever it comes to setting up stations of like, this is my station for music. This is my station for journaling. For my um, tertiary SE, I think that, like I said, it's kind of childish. It's kind of, it doesn't have as much energy to exert. Um, So I can't just create a new moment at a moment's notice the way that perhaps an SP type could, where from my perspective, for these sensing preference people, it feels like you're moving mountains all the time because in order to move material is very exhausting. And I would prefer to spend more time in the intuitive realm thinking about the possibilities of what could or couldn't happen by moving material so that whenever I do move the material, my goal is to do it right the first time. doesn't always happen because you need that trial and error and you need to get familiar with what you're doing in order for it to be less uh, energetically taxing. That's one thing I've realized from observing SJs. I live uh, right now with my parents. I'm saving up some money. My mom is an ESFJ and we both work from home. And so kind of feels like we're a little co-working buddies where, I mean, just watching her routine and talking to my ESFJ sister about her routine, it seems like for the SJs, they become these creatures of habits. They become these creatures of habit because they're so good at listening to their bodies that it happens automatically. Like one time I asked my sister, how did you come up with your routine? Or, or she was talking about how every day when she wakes up, she first things first, she goes up and fills up her water bottle. And it's a reminder for her roommate who is always snoozing to wake up because she hears her in the kitchen. And I was like, how did you come up with that? And she was like, what do you mean come up with it? When I wake up, I'm thirsty because I hadn't drank any water in eight hours or whatever. And that right there is such a hilarious example of introverted intuition versus introverted sensing, in my opinion. Because I'm over here thinking that in order to do anything physical, that it first must start as an idea that I came up with. But that's what's okay. That's what's so funny about it is that it doesn't have to. And that I'm realizing that those routines kind of only come into play when you are listening to your body, when you're relaxing and when you're um, figuring out what you need and when, and you're figuring out who you are. So I guess to be more explicit here, 
Um, shadow work is embracing the unknown. And for me, as an ENFJ, um, shadow work involves uh, becoming more conscious of the sensing and the thinking sides to me. And so embracing, in order for me to improve my sensing and my thinking, I must embrace the unknown. Now that's kind of a light bulb because I think that a lot of the time we think about um, intuition as the unknown, but I think that that's just a semantics thing um, where it just depends on what you mean by unknown and like I get I get why intuition is associated with unknown, but if you're thinking about it in this context of someone who prefers intuition over sensing, the ideas are what you know. What happens is not what you know. So um, in order to um, feel more stable, to feel more logical and sound and more true to myself, it involves um, exploring, and there's a lot of trial and error associated here. Um, and it throws you for a loop. So anyway, um, I'm kind of reaching a dead end here, I think, and I feel like I need to eat something. That's another thing is that I feel like I'm so used to ignoring my body's signals that I'm trying to get back into into it. Okay, yeah, this is one thing um I'll point out is that um I was thinking about for the inferior function, for me that would be introverted thinking. I was thinking about how um the problem isn't that I'm illogical. The problem isn't that I don't think. The problem is that I can't keep track of my thinking. The problem is that I'm not conscious of my thinking. And so to improve introverted thinking isn't be smarter, be more um, or be more consistent. It is remember what you think. And so hopefully that makes sense. But what I was realizing with this is that um, the reason why it is so exhausting for me to access these lower functions is inherently because I'm not conscious of them. So think back to what I was saying before. Why is it not exhausting for my ESFJ sister to um, have a routine in the morning and get all those things done? It's because she's conscious of the sensing because her consciousness prefers sensing she knows when she wakes up she's thirsty um it's easier to get into an autopilot and know who you are in that area and have a stronger self-awareness in that area if you're conscious of it so for people who um prefer feeling it's easier to go through the motions with our emotions our feelings because we know what we're feeling so it becomes easier to make decisions based on that because we know what we're feeling and if you were a thinker you would be 
aware of what you're thinking. Therefore, it's easier and quicker to make a decision that's logical and based on your thoughts. It might be harder for a thinker to make a decision based on what they want or based on their emotions, not because they don't feel, not because they're not there, but because it is going to take time to uncover what those things are. And so the act of developing your lower functions is an act of uncovering what is already there and uh, um, unraveling um, the, the truth of it. Um, and it reminds me of like, if something is already on the surface, you get to just enjoy it. But if you have to dig all the way down into something that is um like i'm thinking of like the roots of a plant for some reason is the vision that came to me if you have to dig all the way down and you're like in the dark it is a lot harder to complete the task or to make use of whatever tools are there because you can't you can't see them and so anyway my process of developing sensing and thinking has been a process of just starting to notate what those things are um there are a couple examples i'll share is that um for one i um i went down a rabbit hole a few months ago about smart thinking and systems thinking and note-taking systems and i watched a few youtube videos from um people that were sharing how they do their own sort of personal project management systems and how they collect their notes um like with tools like notion and obsidian and things like that and one of the youtubers that i found um actually had a couple of videos about mbti and said that they um were an intp and i um sorry I thought it made sense for them to be an INTP, even from just watching how they were talking, because basically they were explaining that um, it's easier to come up with really sharp new ideas if you are collecting the thoughts you have and the insights you have along the way. And she did a lot of stuff where she would allow the computer to help her by... Um, putting insights she had, organizing them intentionally so that um, she can kind of see her insights reflected back to her with like a visual, um, like a visual interpretation of the data. Um, so anyway, um, from watching that, I realized like, I was thinking I have insights like this all the time, but what happens with me with my thoughts, with my inferior TI is I think it and then I forget it, which means that I don't get to use those thoughts as much. So that's where the inefficiency comes for feeling types is that it's not, it's not that we aren't thinking correctly or that we're wrong or that we're dumb. It's that we don't always get to invest and get the real value for the thoughts that we do have because we aren't focused on them we aren't conscious of them and so i was i've been trying to figure out how can i 
rely on technological tools to give my thinking and sensing function some support so that my consciousness doesn't have to be manually um, as aware of them. Uh, because that's kind of how it is, is that we're kind of disabled in our lower functions to where we can do them. It's just more energetically consuming. And so relying on something like a computer could potentially help. Um, I'm not sure how it would work for feeling. I'm not sure how it would work in a lot of different cases, but relying on some sort of technology, even if the technology is a cup, which is technically still a technology, um, relying on anything to help support you in your ability to use your lower functions without shaming yourself, without judging yourself, and instead just being very curious about how I, how can I be more conscious of these things that are already are happening, already are going on? So that's kind of an example with the thinking is that I'm what I'm going to try and do is start. Um, I'm trying to archive like all of the videos I've done in the past, all of my tweets and like try and mine some, mine them for key points so that I can put it into a book or something. So it's like, I'm trying to actually get the, get more value out of the thoughts that I have rather than just blasting them out and draining myself without ever getting anything back into return. And so right now I'm just very confused and in an unknown state because I'm, um, I don't know what my routines look like that are going to exactly support me because I also don't actually know 100% what my goals are. Um, and with the sensing side of things, um, I was listening to this audiobook called The Compound Effect. And I've heard people talk about The Compound Effect before, where it's essentially, um, um, it's essentially this idea that if you do some a little thing every single day that you eventually can, the results of that could compound over time. Um, and that's something that I'm really bad at to where, um, I'm not very consistent, especially with my sensory behaviors. Um, and this guy was basically saying that if you work in bursts, it, every single time you start something after having stopped doing it for a long time, that takes a lot of energy. And I think that that's something that I've struggled with. But I still like working in bursts, so I'm not fully sure how that's going to work out. But he was saying that if you want to change anything in your life, whether that be how you eat, your workout skills, or your you want to read more or whatever it is, if you want to change anything, it starts with being aware of it. And now that's also a very obvious thing. But he was suggesting that you need to start tracking everything that you're doing. And I have resisted the idea of tracking I, I hate, I hate tracking. You know, some people do mood trackers. Some people do sleep trackers. Um, and it's so hard for me to get into the routine of doing those things. And um, anyway, um, but the past two weeks, I have been attempting to track my time for whatever reason. It's like, I couldn't pick your, I couldn't figure out what thing I wanted to track. But then I realized that really what is frustrating to me is that 
I'm not quite sure if I'm making the best use of my time because all year I felt like I've had these vague goals that I'm trying to figure out and I think I might be getting closer but I haven't really been been seeing the effects of it yet and I'm even realizing now as I've been talking this whole time that I think that I'm quicker at talking than I used to be um, in my previous videos and that I think that my introverted thinking has come a long way because I read every day now and I also don't uh, my instinct. Okay. So this is something I was going to say earlier um, that I realized I didn't finish this point is that um, a coping mechanism for me was reaching out to people. That was like my number one thing. And I realized I was doing it more than I actually had the time to. And so I wasn't doing things that would benefit me and my goals. A lot of that having to do with the inferior TI. So for example, just sharing thoughts over text in a passing um, way every single day versus what if I wrote a book? You know what I mean? Like I want to create value. I don't want to be uh, flippantly wasting my energy. And I'm not even saying that friends are a waste, but what I started to realize was that um, the amount of time I was spending texting was stressing me out and causing overstimulation because um I uh it's exhausting to rehash everything like you lived it once and then now you're rehashing it to five people um just because you want them to understand you and I um anyway um I've, I feel very lonely right now because I feel like I have not been able to keep up with um, messaging people back and the way that I used to. And uh, I feel like people are taking it personally because it's such a change from how I've acted in the past. And I feel like people probably think that I have just completely moved on to other friends or something. Um, and that's been really hard. Um, but part of it is that I'm finding that I'm enjoying, um, reading philosophy or reading young more than I am talking about it these days. And I think that I'm eventually going to find a balance, but that right now it felt like a huge shadow pull. Um, so the compound effect, what I was saying earlier, this kind of reminded me of being more aware of my sensing is that I realized that overall, I just don't think my energy management is that great. My dad pointed this out to me whenever I was applying for jobs at 7.30 p.m. on a Friday night and I was stressing myself out. He was like, why are you applying for jobs at 7.30 on a Friday? And I'm like, well, because I want another job and I don't often think about how the time and place is going to affect my mental state in that um I uh really like I was saying earlier I I don't watch much tv I don't really decompress I haven't really decompressed and so I uh I'm so one-track minded on my goals that it's like I'm uh, 
if I'm not where I want to be, I don't give myself time to rest. And it's been a really hard pill to swallow that um, in order for me to actually get where I want to be, I'm going to have to um, like just stop. <laughs> and um, that goes back in with the title of embracing the unknown is I have to accept the unknown in order to go to where go where I haven't gone before um so I have been um tracking how I'm using my time because I'm I guess I'm trying to look at it and be like am I texting too much have I gone to the have I gone the other extreme to where I'm not reaching out to friends enough um am I one thing I realized from this is that I've been wasting too much time on dating apps when I'm not even interested. And so that's one thing where I think sometimes we can do things um, automatically or even like our body. Somehow we have learned a lesson in the past that reaching for something instinctually might be a good coping mechanism for whatever it is that we're craving in that moment. And then sometimes when our body will instinctually do that, it doesn't actually give us the benefit that we are expecting or that we want. And so anyway, I'm trying to observe, you know, what are the things that are getting me caught up either in anxiety or in um, staring at the wall, not sure what to do next, which is what happens to me all the time. Um, so anyway, I'm just trying to start by surveying how am I spending my time? What are the uses of time that make me feel more energy energized? And what are the uses of time that are exhausting for me? And maybe it's exhausting that I am this particular of a person that I um, feel such a need to scrutinize my every move. I don't, I don't fucking know. Like, every, I feel like every time I've ever made positive change in my life, it's come in an intense way. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing or why that is, but like when I started this YouTube channel, for example, what really got me going was that I had to force myself into doing a 30-day challenge. Now, a lot of people, especially using those earlier videos, whenever I was on this high, almost like an extroverted sensing high of, I'm just going to make a video every day and I'm not going to care what it looks like. And a lot of those earlier videos, a lot of people were typing me as ESTP or ESFP, which I think is kind of funny because it took me three to four years of thinking about making a YouTube channel and trying to think about exactly how it would look and how it would go before I eventually got so frustrated with myself that I was like, just do it, you fucking idiot. And so that's kind of the games that I play with myself a lot of the time. And I'm kind of getting there right now with this channel where... um. I some I need some new energy here. I need to figure out something. Maybe I'll do YouTube shorts. Maybe I'll get into TikTok. I have never really used TikTok. Um, I think when it first got big, I felt like, oh, this might not be good for my mental health. I was already addicted to Twitter. Um, I don't know if I need more things to make me feel uh, overstimulated. But um, I have been developing a lot more self-discipline. And so we'll see. Maybe I'll be able to have a positive relationship with TikTok one day. But um, embracing the shadow is embracing the unknown. And part of shadow work 
is putting the unknown under a magnifying glass, even if it's uncomfortable. And part of that as examples could be, you know, tracking your time or um, jotting down your thoughts. Um, make it easier for your um, future self. So it's like right now, for example, I don't know if I'm going to write a book, if I'm going to do a workshop. I don't know what I'm working on, but I'm basically treating it as though I have some sort of thesis I'm working on and that I'm just trying to gather the information now so that eventually when I know if I want to write a book or if I want to make a course or whatever it is, I have that information there. Whereas my patterns in the past with this YouTube channel, I have been sporadic with my introverted thinking, not conscious of my introverted thinking to where I will have an introverted thinking that I want to share, make a video, never watch the video back again, forget what I said until next time, whenever it comes up, then I remember it again. But whenever it comes to having to sit down and write a thorough argument, I'm going to forget, like, I'm not going to be able to craft an argument that easily if I've forgotten what my supporting details are for that persuasive argument. Whereas if someone preferred introverted thinking, it's going to be a lot easier to just sit down and craft the argument because you know, you're already thinking about and conscious of what those pieces are that will help you with your logic. Whereas for me, it's often feels very sporadic where that is kind of how the, the introverted uh, or that, that is how the inferior function works is that um, it, uh, hold on, I hope you guys can't hear my mom talking, but um, um, I'll wrap this up soon. Um, so the inferior function is almost always going to be tethered to, or it's always tethered to the unconscious. And so there's something primal about it, no matter how good you get at observing it there's still this very uncontrollable nature to it. And so for me, it often comes in the form of, yes, I, I have a thought. Um, I have a moment of clarity that, you know, hits me on the head. It wasn't because I was sitting around putting the boxes together, figuring it out. Clarity, like, will arrive. Like, just like, reminds me of some quote I saw. Um, where it was like talking about happiness is like a butterfly. You can't like trap it, but it will, if you're sitting softly, it can just land upon your shoulder. Truth often feels like it lands upon my shoulder. Um, even with this whole video, it's like, I have no clue what I'm saying until I say it. A lot of the time I feel like I feel when something makes sense, I feel it clicking and it's a very, very strong emotional sensation of like click, 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 click. Anyway, it just like, it, it's all like just clicking. And so whenever it clicks, I get so excited that I want to share it. And, um, but then what, what often can happen is that the clicking happened to where I might be still operating on that premise 
the truth did its job the click <laughs> the clicking has been clacked already if you know what i mean so then all of a sudden i'm going around the world operating on that new premise but if someone were to ask me what that was i would not be able to conjure it up on the spot which is why feelers can seem very illogical um because then if you're like asking me on the spot to be in a debate or to explain why i think something i'm not going to know why but the clicking has already been clapped if that makes sense so anyway um i am trying to when that happens collect those moments collect it so i think that no matter what your inferior function is no matter what your shadow is that you're working on how can you get so curious about those things and can you try and make them physical in any way because if you can make it physical it's then easier for you to never forget and to it's easier for you to be conscious of it and it's just causes less stress on on you uh if you ever come across a moment where you have to conjure that up and so but then when you start doing that that's when i think the unknown possibilities from that can be very scary you don't know what's going to emerge you might find out things about yourself that you didn't realize um and you can have an identity crisis like for me I am feeling more introverted than I've ever felt in my entire life to where the more I reflect on a lot of these things, I'm seeing how having a quiet Friday night on my own, reading something that I've been meaning to read, but I haven't been able to because I've been distracted from work. It feels so satisfying and so fulfilling to give to myself the things that I wanted to. Um, and so but then that also that exert that takes a lot of energy that makes it harder to then give energy somewhere else so the more you start putting these things under a magnifying glass you might find that there are things about you that you didn't know and you might find that your vision of where you think you're going or what the future might be could completely change because you're going to be noticing these components of you that have always been there um but now that you're taking them seriously, you get to plan for them. So part of that has been my self-care is that um, I kind of don't trust myself to make any promises about how often I'm going to be uploading content until I get better at understanding what I actually need to be at a physical baseline. Um, because um, I don't know how often I can exert myself until I know how much care I need in order to stay afloat and I feel like I've reached this point where I'm sick of um withholding like peace and re relaxation from myself and um I'm like slowly realizing how short a day is and it's kind of freaking me out by how short a day is if, if that makes sense like like I'm finding that I love waking up at 5:45 because I love when nobody's bothering me and I get to just uh journal and read and play music 
or watch YouTube videos or just do whatever the fuck I want, like before anyone has any demands on me and just like slowly sip my coffee. I love that more than anything. But in order to do that, I need to go to bed early, which means maybe going to less concerts. That doesn't sound fun. Then I have to, then I start to, then I have to start asking myself, how many concerts do I want to go to? When is a concert more important than waking up early? Or another thing is that if I don't bookend my days by saying at 5.30, okay, I'm done. What I've been doing is like, really make it easy for yourself. Treat yourself like an idiot in the area. Well, not like an idiot, but there are areas in life that are harder for you. And so give yourself the resources that you need. Um, for me, sensing and thinking are those things that they're hard for me. So make it easy on yourself. Don't make it hard and then shame yourself for not getting it right the first time. So I am, you know, kind of babying myself in those areas to where I make so many to-do lists. I'm starting to do this thing where at 5.30, I'm like, okay, tomorrow, first thing in the morning, this these are the tasks that I have to do. Because if I don't do that and have it written down for myself, then it causes so much energy because I'm constantly forgetting what I need to do. Um, and so, um, why it's like, I keep at, why, why would I have to keep conjuring up over and over and over again, the same task of, oh, I need to return these shoes. Oh, I need to return these shoes. Oh, I'm out of milk. Oh, I'm out of, out of milk. Oh, I'm out of milk. Like, that's how my brain feels a lot of the time is I'm just trying to relax. And then I remember, oh, there's this thing you have to do. But then it's like, oh, I don't have to do it for maybe two weeks or I could wait or whatever. But like, um, it's not enough to just have to-do lists. I'm also realizing that in order for me to actually relax after 5.30, I have to say, these are all of the things that have to get done tomorrow or else I won't be relaxing because in the back of my mind, I'll be thinking about what I forgot. And I also won't be able to go to sleep because I'll be thinking about I won't be feeling satisfied or fulfilled by my day. I'll I'll still have this itch that there's something else that I haven't done. And so, and it's all because not conscious of the sensing, not conscious of the thinking. And so if you need a piece of paper or a computer to be your second brain for your lower functions, then do it, like make it easy on yourself. So anyway. I think that I'm going to end it here, but I guess my last point I wanted to make is that um, I'm trying to figure out this podcast, to be honest, because I think I've changed a lot in the past two to three years. Um, my values have changed a lot, and I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what resonates with me. I'm trying to figure out how to make things feel professional, but also um, casual and real without it seeming so daunting that I then uh, never pick up um, the tools I need to communicate. And, you know, I am slowly working on trying to figure out some sort of thesis statement. I want to like make more educational sort of content in general, um, whether that be like, because I recognize that 
I'm not very great at explaining what is personality type theory? What is the shadow work? What is all these things? But it's like, what I want to talk about is my process with it, things that I've learned. I want to add to the philosophical conversation. And I want to start bringing in people that aren't just Jungian thinkers. I want to start talking about Plato and Nietzsche. And like, I want to just start having these conversations. But I feel like my I'm still working it out. And it's I'm not moving as quickly as I wish I was. But that's because I'm embracing the unknown. I'm trying to include my thinking and sensing. And because of that, there are these factors that I didn't realize were factors that are starting to come up. Because if you think about it, like with the me waking up early, when would be a good time for me to work on a book or a blog post? Perhaps five 45 in the morning when no one's bothering me I've learned that it's really really fun and easy to write then it's not very easy to write at 2 p.m so it's like okay if I want to write a book is it working for me to wake up late and go to like two concerts a week and be constantly catching up on sleep and frustrated that I don't have enough me time so I end up staying up until midnight um because if I wake up and I roll out of bed and I go straight to work and then I'm not done till 5 30 by the time it's 5 30 I'm angry because I didn't have my day so anyway it's like I'm having to be real real with myself where it's like okay you want to do these things but when are you going to do them and when is the time in your schedule that makes sense for you and are you even creating space for you to do the things that you claim to want to do so um and also I set myself up for failure all the time by putting unrealistic expectations on myself there was a period when I did a Patreon group where it was like I'm going to do a workshop once a month that was really fun for three months. And then one month came up where I had a lot going on and it was a lot harder to do. And so I am trying to figure out how to make things more sustainable. And because I'm trying to figure that out, I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell myself. I don't know what's going to happen because there are factors that, I are unco- that I'm uncovering, such as, you know, what sleep schedule I like. These factors that I'm uncovering are all pieces of the puzzle of what the answer would be. So that's another reason why, you know, shadow work is inherently embracing the unknown. Because not only is it, I don't know these things about me, but it's also when you take it seriously, it ends up bleeding into your real life. Your decisions end up changing because you have information at hand that you didn't have before. So Anyway, this video, thank you. If you guys made it this far, you are a real one and I love you. And um, I would love to hear, uh, or basically this goes out to everyone who is dealing with the chaotic mess of the unknown right now. I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on how it's been for you. Um, because it's it's hard, it's messy, and it's very, very isolating, I think. Um, that's another aspect of like the whole shadow work thing. It's very isolating to do because you end up um, 
I think exerting a lot of energy doing things that are harder for you, it might make you feel like you have less to give others. That's how I feel right now. And I have a lot of shame about that because I feel like the more I'm trying to get myself stable, then the less I feel like I can consistently be there for others. But clinging to my ego and what I think is known over and over and over again, it might make me feel in the short term like I'm able to be there for others consistently. But eventually that runs dry because like I said before, if you're clinging to something, like it's like the act of clinging and the act of control that ends up causing this tsunami on the other side. But if you get comfortable in the unknown and you are stop feeling like you have to be super consistent with your ego and your persona, like I'm no longer the ENFJ reliable persona, even though I still am an ENFJ. Those are my, that's my best fit type. I'm no longer performing that persona in the same way. And it's very, very scary. And it's very shameful for me to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that, you know, my sleep schedule is taking priority over, you know, me remembering to pick up the phone and call someone like, and you know, I'm very hard on myself because extroverted feeling is my dominant function. Like there's a good friend of mine who we've been trying to call each other for about three weeks and they're not mad at me about it. And they also have been uh, back and forth with me. But for whatever reason, I take those things personally and I feel shame about them and I'm hard on myself about them because I think that I should be performing these, um, this character basically, which any personality type is basically a caricature. Um, it's a pattern. It's a social pattern and it has a social value and it has a evolutionary value for our psyche to adapt and evolve to learn uh, in this way to where we, um, you know, have our preferences and then it, we open the door up for more and more. But anyway, um, I was going to have a point here. but I can't remember. Um, anyway, yeah, I feel, I feel shame for not doing those things. It feels like I, um, have, oh, that's what I was gonna say. It feels like I have less to give, but over time, I'm going to end up having more to give because I'm going to be including all of myself and not just half of myself, not just part of myself. And I'm going to be not wasting my energy trying to um, hide uh, my weaknesses and compensate for them. And I'm instead going to try and include the wealth of uh, resources and the richness that the unconscious has, which I can make a whole other video on this. I could tell you so many different myths and stories behind the idea that the unconscious like holds your hidden gem and that like what makes you special what makes you valuable you know um like waiting in this unknown and even if it like like i said it feels isolating for one 
it feels like, oh, I don't have as much to give as I used to because I'm waste I'm using more energy on these things that are harder for me and take more of my energy. I could be thinking, I'm so mad at myself for not being able to keep up with the extroverted feeling that I used to because introverted thinking is taking up so much time and I feel like I can't even see if I'm getting anywhere because just doing one little thing with it can be so draining and exhausting. But the reaction, the chemical reaction that happens between both of the poles of your conscious and unconscious is creative in nature. And doing that ends up giving you a wealth of resources that you never would have had access to to begin with. But it just takes some time getting comfortable there. And I'm trying to get comfortable. And I feel like I'm in a weird place where every single aspect of my life is not good, not where I want to be. I'm not happy at all, really. But I'm also feel I also feel more mentally stable than I've ever felt in my life and also happier than I've ever felt, even though I also am not, because it feels like I don't know, just like clearing a lot of gunk and um like I'm just so fucking proud of myself. And I know that's like weird to say, but it's like there's a sense of fulfillment that you can get when you are working on those parts of yourself that can't possibly be described because it's an internal experience it's like you are feeling the chemistry between your conscious and your unconscious and any observer can't really see that necessarily and so sometimes it takes time to be able to see the fruits of that labor it's almost like you're becoming a lightning rod yourself internally and that eventually being able to contain that You'll be able to see the effects in your actions. But anyway, yeah, it takes a while and it's the unknown. And I'm just going to listen to my body and realize that I need a snack. So um, thank you so much for watching Psyche Design and uh, or listening if you are listening. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day. I feel my own.